The text for this morning's message is Galatians chapter 4, but I also want to read uh, the 98th Psalm and a little bit of explanation. Um, I think for all of our Baptist convictions about believing the Bible, sometimes we don't read enough of the Bible in worship, and this is one of our high holy days, uh, and we need to take time and really hear God's word. The 98th Psalm, by the way, is the basis of Isaac Watts' famous hymn, Joy to the World, and uh, that's, that's where he got the inspiration. So I'm going to read the 98th Psalm and then Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and you may follow along in your Bibles or a pew Bible or follow along on screen. And I'll invite you to stand if you're able to do so as I read God's word aloud. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness, and the peoples with equity. And then Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have this little ritual that uh, I go through the beginning of every Advent season... Uh, I love to put up the nativity sets, and we have a lot of them, put up several at home, and, and, I, and I actually worship as I, as I set them out and as I try to relive that scene and as I sort of experience the beginning of the Advent rush of, of celebration. I have several uh, in my office here, and uh, the one in the windowsill is probably the, one of the oldest ones. Janet painted it when she was doing a crafts class uh, early in our marriage, and it's kind of nicked and and uh, bruised in places, but it's special. And it's amazing that for all the years that I have set out that particular nativity scene, this year was the first year I noticed something as I set out the shepherd. He has his hands, his hand to his mouth as if he's in awe. He has his, his hand to his mouth as if words have failed him. As if he's entered into the mystery and recognized that silence is the only possible response. 
And I love that. And that's what Luke says, you know, in the second chapter, that they were amazed, they were afraid, they were sort of just awestruck. And we really are at a place this morning where we sort of feel like everything's been said, every song's been sung, and uh, let's just get on with celebrating. But I'm going to preach anyway. But truly, we're at this place where with the Apostle Paul, maybe we just step back. Get just a step back from all the noise and the frenzy, and we just say with the Apostle Paul, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And we just say that over and over again. When the fullness of time had come, it's about time, Paul was saying. And he meant that probably two ways. It's about time, God, but also it's about time. It's all about time and timing. When the fullness of time had come, John Buchanan used to be the editor for a magazine that I subscribed to, and he wrote one year, Advent means the whole world is pregnant. And he was talking about that theme of hope that we've had all during this Advent season. And then I got to thinking about how, you know, when I was growing up, you, you used appropriate phrases for a woman who was with child. You know, in older generations, it was not appropriate to use the word pregnant. That was considered too crass. You would say, she is with child. Or, what's the most obvious one? She's expecting. And we still use that phrase, and that's okay. Um, But we're followers of Jesus. And remember this theme we've been dealing with all during Advent, Christmas hope in a hopeless world. We are people who expect because we know the Messiah. So that means, appropriately, if I'm walking down the hall at church and you say, Hi, Doyle, how are you? It's appropriate for me to say, Expecting, how are you? And wouldn't it also be appropriate that I'd be able to park in the expectant mother spot at the mall? Because after all, we're followers of Jesus. We're all expecting, right? You could understand how I'm a little sensitive about parking spots, right? You get the idea. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. That means that Jesus literally became a child of God physically so that we could become a child of God. That means that God entered into our mess. God entered into the human dilemma. And notice that when God entered into our mess, he was not content that we have a a formal relationship with him, a cold, distant, legal relationship with him where he just paid for our sins. Notice that scripture says God sent his son and then God sent his spirit. And his spirit in us makes us cry out, Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father, the intimate term, the intimate language of relationship. So that more than at any other time of the year, 
we should be able to understand this morning that God's love is personal. He didn't send it to the box holder. He sent it to you personally, to me personally. God's love is relentless. God keeps on coming after us. And that God's love is planned. This is not a fly-by-night deal. This is not a last-minute bailout that God designed in the fullness of time. It was all mapped out. God did everything in the fullness of time, according to the plan. And I spent a little time the last couple of weeks looking at that Greek word for fullness, when the times were pregnant, when the times were expecting. It was the word that was used when a ship was fully staffed with crew. It was the word used for something that was fertile. The ground was full and ready to bear fruit. It was the word that was used to describe something overflowing, entire, and consummated. But get this, fullness did not mean something that merely ran its course and then ran out of gas. Fullness did not mean something that just barely crossed the finish line, huffing and puffing. It meant the opposite. It meant that which was full in content, that which is ripe with completeness. When the times were absolutely pregnant, God sent his son at just the right time, born of a woman. And that's why we're people of hope. Every year we watch It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas? Not as many people as I thought. How many of you watch Christmas Vacation every Christmas? Ah, see... You know, there's that scene in It's a Wonderful Life. I I cringe every year when I watch it. Uncle Billy is taking $8,000 cash to the bank. And he runs into Potter, the villain of the story. The foil of the whole story. And he's talking to Potter and he absentmindedly wraps the $8,000 in the newspaper and gives the newspaper back to Potter. And then Uncle Billy can't find the money, and of course the story just goes off the rails from there. And every year I think, maybe this year Billy will remember. And, you know, I've almost wanted to get in front of the TV and say, Billy, the $8,000. But I've run a scientific experiment. Every year it happens the same way. Every year Billy loses the $8,000. And... uh, as I've been reflecting on this theme of hope all during this season, I, I think I've begun to sense that there are some people that feel like their lives are like that. It doesn't matter what I do, the tape's going to play out the same as it's always played. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm doomed. The cycle just has to play out. What happened last year is going to happen this year. Billy's going to put the $8,000 in Potter's lap and he's going to lose it. And there is this sense of futility. But the Christmas message is that 
when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. That God is going to trip that rhythm. God is going to break that cycle. There is hope. God is going to step in. God is going to make things new. That through Jesus Christ, life can be different than it has been. That no one here is doomed to repeat those cycles of sin or failure or hopelessness. There is hope. And you know, we used to sing this song at church camp. It's in our hymnal. But nobody's ever thought of it probably as a Christmas hymn. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother. He's got you and me, sister. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. In the fullness of time, when the times were ripe and pregnant, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. God be praised. Let's pray. Loving God, open our hearts to the new that you want to do in us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.